Okay, everybody, welcome back to A Dude in the Hen House. I'm Fred Carroll, the dude, and this is Mel, the girl, the hen, <laughs> whatever she is. And today we got Dana Buckmare, spelt Buckmer, but we call her Buckmare <laughs> because at one point her parents told her it's Buckmare, and she doesn't even know why. But she is an author of two books, one about online dating that I can't remember the name of because we're not going to talk about it today. What's it called, Dana? Jeez. Uh, plenty of laughs. Plenty one of woman's laughs. journey navigating the online dating waters. Yeah, plenty of laughs, that one. And then there's the one that forever lives in my head as her voice echoes through my speaker system because I produced her audio book and had to listen to her fucking voice over and over on repeat, on repeat of the most horrendous piece of shit guy that she chose to date. And the story, I almost said his real name just now because I know oh it, but God. let's Don't call do that. What's that? Now I'm confused which one's real and which one's not. What is the Eric name? Becker. Eric. His name is Eric. Eric Becker. Eric Becker. Eric Becker. Uh, a giant piece of shit. And <laughs> I've heard about all his antics. And she's going to tell us a little backstory on that. And the book is available on Amazon. It's available wherever you buy books. You could actually go to Dana. Is it DanaBuckmare.com? Which is D-A-N-A-B-U-C-K-M-I-R.com. You could buy it there, I'm sure. And you could follow her on all social medias. So tell me this about you. First of all, tell people where you live and who you are and why you're here and why you're my friend. <laughs> Why I'm your friend? Yeah. Um, okay, so I live in Connecticut. And um, I'm talking about the book now. So the book is about, it's kind of interesting because the first book was like a fun beach read about online dating. It was a comical account of my online dating adventures living in South Florida. Um, and then after that, I swore off online dating. And I only wanted to meet someone, you know, the traditional way, authentically. But then um, I met somebody on Facebook, infamous Eric Becker. And um, Everything Will Be Okay is the memoir talking about like when we first met and how what turned what begins as a whirlwind romance turns into a nightmare pretty quickly and how I kind of rebuild and reclaim my voice and then proceed in spreading awareness about domestic violence and narcissist abuse. Yeah. So when you were, when you were um, writing it and since I'm writing a memoir now, were mm -hmm. you, did you have trouble with a few things? Here's a few things I struggle with writing. First of all, remembering is one thing, especially chronologically. It's difficult. Did this happen first or this happen for when it all mushes together and it's so long. Right. Mine goes back my whole life. Yours goes back over a two year, three year period. Mine is my whole life. But I also forget as an author and as a writer like yourself, it's easy to embellish for entertainment purposes to where you and you got to calm yourself because you do ultimately telling the truth is more important than um, embellishing and lying. You'll get caught. You know, it'll catch up to you one way or the other. But did you struggle with that at first where you wanted to use a better word, but it doesn't fit and all that? Oh, um, I don't think so. I mean, OK, so I you're really amazing. Like, you're fucking amazing is what you're no, saying. 
I just don't think I struggled. I mean, I struggled with other things. I just didn't struggle with that. I feel like um, I was pretty enmeshed in it because it was just like, it had just happened and it was during the pandemic. And then I had no home. So I was living in the hotel writing and I just needed a project. I need something to like throw myself into. So I just, you know, was immersed in it and it pretty much like consumed me. So um, it like was everything that took up my day until it was over. It was like a mission that I had to complete and then I could move on. Yeah. Was it therapeutic for you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I always tell people that I work with to, you know, to write, whether it's like, you don't even have to publish, like, you know, seek out to publish a memoir, but just journaling or anything, just emptying out from your head onto the paper is, is really therapeutic. Have you, um, Mel, Mel, you ever date a narcissist? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Is that all you could say about what do you, what was your experience? Several I've had in my life, actually. Well, way to make good choices. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. I'm, I make (laughs) fabulous choices. So Dana, you're not alone, honey. We, we all get swooped away by the, the wonderful words that they tell us. Right. It's unfortunate that so many people, I mean, Dana's well aware it is because she does a, she does a circuit where she talks. She's on a lot of Facebook groups and stuff. And they tell you all the time, this is, this sounds like my story, but take out Mr. Becker and put in Mr. Smith. You know, it sounds like the same person sometimes. So I'm part of a lot of Facebook groups about narcissism and like narcissist abuse survivors. And it's just so prevalent, you know, and there's so many women that could relate to it. Dana, do you feel that there are more male narcissists than there are female? Because I've I've done a lot of research on it myself, and I find that a lot of men say that they have dated narcissistic women as well. So what what is your perspective of that? I definitely think they're more men than than female. I mean, I'm not like, you know, a a therapist or anything. I don't know, you know, and a lot of people throw the term around narcissist and it's actually like, you know, a mental disorder where you have to be diagnosed and evaluated for it. And I, I feel like sometimes people just say like, he's a narcissist, almost like they're saying he's an asshole, right? you know, and, and, and there's, you know, more to it. Yeah. There's definitely, I definitely think it, you know, it's more prevalent to men than women. Yeah. There's a, there's a line between it. And I think it's also, um, to the sexes, um, female, a female narcissist is not the same as a male narcissist. There's different aspects to it, the way that Mm -hmm. they consider, but it's, I think it's easy for a man. We're dismissive anyway, when we get in a bad relationship or broken up, first of all, you won't know we're in a bad relationship until we're out of that relationship anyway. Because men aren't on Facebook going, oh, my God, yes, she's such a nightmare. You know, they're not saying that <laughs> until it's over. Right. But but if she's a true narcissist, you know, I've dated a few that probably were I'd call it more borderline because they did have enough good qualities, legitimate good qualities. It's just once you get into it, you don't discover. But there are levels to it. Men, I think, are more calculated and scientific and they put it's almost like they have a map. I don't think the woman mm-hmm. intends to do it. I don't even think she's aware. I think the man usually is aware. This is this is who I am and there's my target. A woman doesn't go into a relationship saying the target unless it's financially motivated. A lot of that. That would be more 
of a woman's trait in dating is to be financially like women that you have to make six figures or I won't even give you the time of day. That's maybe a form of it being narcissistic, but it's not narcissism. It's just being a fucking douche. Or just having standards, you know, everybody has certain standards of what they're looking for when they're dating. That doesn't necessarily make you a narcissist if you want someone that makes a lot of money. Or tall or, you know, we go into all that. We're not allowed, but we're not allowed to do that. You know, we're not allowed to do it all the time. Like they want someone that's young. They want someone that's got big tits. But it's called wrong. But when we do it, (laughs) when we do it, we get blasted for doing it. But when you do it, it's okay. When you do it and say, I won't date a guy under five foot 10. That's the same thing as me saying, I won't date a girl with small boobs. It's, but it's the not same being thing. Narcissistic, no, no. I, I find that a lot of people use the term narcissist to say, to talk about somebody who's being selfish or they're all about themselves, hey. where that's hey. just the tip of the iceberg with a true narcissist. Oh, a true yeah. narcissist. It's a, it's a, personality disorder and it's it's a scary place to be with someone like that because it really they can manipulate everything as i'm you know you lived through well as i i should say even though we're joking around only because i know dana very well do i know you very well what's the proper terminology well enough well enough you know me very well we spent a lot of time together yeah so very well um this is a very serious story about a very serious issue where it, it could have cost her her life. It, it went that far, but without, we want people to buy the book, which is available wherever you buy books. <laughs> um, it, we want you to, we want you to buy the book. And if you connect with me properly and send an email or something, I could probably get it signed for you. It'll probably be or worth even more. the audio book that we just produced together. Yeah. You should actually, um, Maybe you give one away here if you got links because you got free ones, don't you? I do. Yeah, I have a few promo codes. So I think you should give me a promo code. First of all, I should have one anyway, but that's neither here nor there. But maybe (laughs) you should give one away to somebody that writes in and wants to hear this. Oh, sure. Yeah. And um, on top of that, I'll I'll buy one also. So and I'll make Mel buy one. Okay. That's, that's my narcissism. I got control over Mel. I can mute her. He thinks he does. (laughs) Like the puppet master. Yeah, I could, I do all the editing. So last week I was bored and I put a Hitler mustache on her while she was. Oh no. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. And that's what I did to her. But, uh, Oh mean. So without giving too much of this book, obviously we know it's about a guy who you're no longer with, but I think tell people, Let's let's tell them what he did to your home. Tell that part of the story of, yeah. you know, you don't don't read it from your book or anything, but, you know, oh, what, I don't have the book with me. Right. Yeah. You know what happened. So tell people that part. Well, I mean, it, um, he destroyed my home to the point where it was uninhabitable. And um, all of this happened during a four hour standoff with the Fairfield police and SWAT team while I was um, safe and uh, waiting in the Bed Bath and Beyond parking lot. So uh, they just kept negotiating with him and trying to get him out of the house. And, you know, the person that was with me, the officer, kept checking in because I kept asking for updates. And he was like, he's coming out. And then like five minutes later, nope, he's not coming out. 
And that happened for four hours, like excruciating hours. And finally, when they got him in custody, they had to take him to a hospital because he threatened to kill himself, which, you know, he would never do because narcissists love themselves so much. They, he would never, he just used it as a tactic to not have to go to prison immediately. And when I finally saw the destruction that he did in the house, it was just, it was shocking. Everything from the windows to the doors and the, um, the walls and the, um, the light fixtures, everything that belonged to my father, because it was my father's house and he passed away, was destroyed. Pictures, like the, the faces were cut out and slashed and just and the your, amount of damage. Your computer, was, your computer. Oh, my computer with all my writing, everything. I mean, it, it was just unimaginable. And, um, you know, all the time that this was going on, he was taunting me. He was texting me pictures of things that he destroyed and saying, if you don't pick up the phone right now, I'll do this, I'll do that. And of course, the police told me, don't talk to him, don't talk to him. So I just had to like, sit there helplessly and, and while he just, you know, wreaked havoc on my house and my life. And then by the time he was done, it was like three o'clock in the morning and it was um, December. So it was freezing out. And the police were like, okay, here's a um, victim's advocate paper. Call them if you need them in the morning. And just left me there. So I had to like sleep. Well, not really sleep because there's glass everywhere. I had to sit on my couch until the sun came up. They cut the, um, the heat because he threatened to burn the house down. So there was no heat. There was no windows, no doors. And I'm just like sitting there with my dog amongst glass and debris until the morning. So it took six months for them to um, rebuild, you know, the destruction that he caused. And during that time, I stayed in temporary housing. I know this doesn't matter to the story. Does insurance pay for the hotel that you're staying at at that yeah, point? Thank God. Okay. I had homeowners insurance. I mean, like if I was renting an apartment or something, all the apartments I ever lived in, I never got renters insurance. So I would have been shit out of luck. But thankfully, I had homeowner's insurance. So probably a good reason for people. First of all, I should say renter's insurance is not very expensive. Um, I personally pay, I believe, $25 a month for a $25,000 loss, like in a fire, yeah. flood, stuff like that. And that's pretty much what you need. Enough to cover. That's enough money to get you back on your feet. It doesn't bring back the pictures. It doesn't bring back my computer and stuff. But right. It, it would help. So that's a good message for people who are especially dating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it was a lifesaver. Yeah. So they covered everything, the hotel, um, the contractor. They had like crystal renovation coming to clean everything out because there was like glass everywhere. Like and just it was um, like forced air. It was everywhere. Um, but it took a while because it's during the pandemic. So, you know, like resources were scarce and they couldn't get the windows for quite some time. So everything was boarded. And um, yeah, it was definitely, definitely a challenging time. I should, I should have mentioned this before and I didn't do it during that story and I wanted to, but every time, every time you make a mistake, I was going to go with your clicker. <laughs> or it was this. <laughs> um, you said, um, three times. Oh, sorry. 
you know. My bad. Just so you know. Dogs, the audio every time, you, every time you do that, my dog's ears are like. That's what it is. It's a dog. It's a, it's a dog clicker. So just for anybody out there that doesn't understand what I'm doing, when you're recording audiobook, Dana would sit here and tell her story. Obviously, she's going to make mistakes, mess up, um, say a word that isn't pronounced properly or fall off the microphone and stuff. Whenever she made a mistake for the editing purpose for me, she would have to say. So if she said uh, and stumbled on something, she would go. And when she started again, before she started, she'd click it again. So I could see that on the editing file and make it a lot easier. And it made it smoother because I didn't want to sit in a room with her. I did for about 20 chapters and it's a great book, but I've heard it a hundred times. <laughs> I've heard her voice just oh wreak havoc God. through my fucking head. It just pounded so much. So I didn't even want to call her. I only want to text her. I don't even want to call thing her. I have a decent voice. I could have a voice like the nanny and be <laughs> Like, yeah. hi, Fred. Yeah. Let well, me tell you my story. Yeah. Well, I don't think I would have let you finish the book. You offered. Uh, you those. offered. Let's remember that. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I don't know what I'm getting myself into either. <laughs> Another thing we were talking about, Um, actually, last week, Mel asked me the question. And this proves the answer. Can men and women just be friends? This kind of falls into that. Well, you're under 5'10". See, that's why I'm <laughs> under 5'10". Yeah. Yes, you are. No, yeah, I'm under 5'10 right. and don't have hundreds yeah. of that. She's a really want to, she's a real gold digger, this Dana. Yeah, that's me. That's she's me. really gold digger. But, but no, we do. So your daddies can contact me at contact at DanaBuckner.com. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it is. But she took me out to dinner for my birthday the other I night. Sure did. <laughs> took me out to dinner. She even paid, she didn't let me drop a dime. I tried. But I didn't try that hard. I just, I did what yeah, you're supposed to do. He did like the little read. I did the, like, what you're supposed to do. You know, it was, hey, you want me to? Yeah, no. I said, <laughs> okay. And they sang happy birthday to me. With a, with a fudge cake or something. What was it? It was a chocolate lava. <laughs> chocolate lava. Yeah, I like chocolate yeah. lava. So what else? Now that we know, obviously, people know he went to prison and all that. But there's a lot to this story that brings up to that point. I just wanted you to tell that part because I think it's one of the more exciting and active parts of the book that mm -hmm. people could see the end result or what happens when somebody finally does go off the rails. But there's plenty before this of hit, plenty of red flags in hindsight. In hindsight, you know, and uh, you mentioned this, people will judge you. They're going to say, well, why didn't you get out after chapter one? Why didn't you get out after right. chapter two? Why did, because he did it so slowly, but this is a book. Right. So you, depending how fast you read, I mean, it, it is a book you could technically read in a day, you know, it would take you four or five hours probably if you're a good reader, but most people are reading it in three weeks, you know, in a three week time period and stuff because it is brutal. It's a brutal story. So it's not like there's a lot of joy and happiness and it, there's vulnerability that comes with it. You were very vulnerable in it because you did have to talk about um, sexual activity. You did have to look at my, my phone again. Rookie. Rookie. Rookie mistake again. 
But um, you did talk about sexual activity. You were talking about your mistakes you made at the same time. So you do become very vulnerable. And of course, nobody could get to him because you used a fake name, but they could get to you. And did you experience anything brutal from that at all or anything you couldn't handle? No, I've experienced a lot of support. Um, and uh, but the interesting thing is that since it was published, it was published. The book was published in February 2022. And um, since then, I've had 10 women reach out that had similar experiences to, with Eric Becker and share their story. Oh. So that's, yeah, really interesting. I mean, um, you know, it's in, it's created kind of a, like a dysfunctional sisterhood. You know, we, we talk to each other on social media and, you know, it's good to know that you're not, not alone. And the, the women that he chose weren't dummies, you know, they're, they were very like accomplished, educated women. So a lot of times people are like, oh, how did you fall for that? Like these people are very selective and, and they don't pick like, you know, just anybody, you know, they target people because I feel like it's more a challenge to destroy somebody who's at like um, a higher level. And that's basically, you know, what he did. It was like a game for him. Yeah, the guy cooked, but, um, he cooked, he did all these, he had these, what I call now make-believe jobs. Like, yeah. but how would she know? She knew nothing about him. And, you know, you're learning about a partner, learning about a partner. Yeah. Well, he came from an affluent family. He had an appearance. It was almost like he reminded me, have you ever hear of Dirty John? The story of Dirty John. There's a series on Netflix. And no, but I it's want to. type of thing. It's really good. And uh, this guy, he just got out of prison and he targeted this woman on a dating site. And she was very... um you know, very established and she made very good money. She had her own company and everything. And he just like was in it, like creeped into her life, but he had an appearance that he had money and that he was a doctor. So this guy was the same thing. Like he said that his parents came from money and that he had invested well. He used to be um, in business and he had made so much money on the stock market and he was able to take some time and pursue his passion. So why wouldn't I believe that? Yeah, there's you know? a lot, and, even in your story, there's a lot of manipulation, a lot of, but they're subtle. They're, he was also smart. He wasn't no dummy yeah, he was himself. Smart. He was smart, he was but he, smart. he just used his smart for bad things. But it's still He's the same. Also, he was really like well-versed because he, I found out later that he had repeated the same scam with everybody. Even like the script, he would say the same things to other women. We would compare notes. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so surreal. Like he said that to you. He did the same thing with me. So he had a lot of practice. And when this initially happened and I worked with a domestic violence um, detective out of Fairfield, she looked into his history and he had a history of violence against women going back for like 30 years from where oh. he grew up, where he went to college, multiple um, incidents in Connecticut. But every time he would get out of it. So with me, this was the first time that he was ever like held accountable and getting two years for what he did. I'm not sure that that was enough, but at least he served some time because every other time before he just wiggled his way out of it. Yeah. And remember, even in your story, as you were, you know, as the book moves on and it gets towards the end, you are told by an ex and stuff like that of his but he always has a better excuse than the person telling you. 
Plus, you think you're in love with him at that moment and stuff. So he's manipulated the whole situation. And it's and it was mostly mind games because I believe you said it was only physical one time. Correct. Right. Yeah. Physical one time. And so that plays a role, too. He probably learned that lesson, like you're saying, because I'm sure with the other women, it was more than one time physical. And he learned the physical end doesn't work. That gets the cops called faster than the mental side to beat down your mentality, to beat down your womanhood, to um, make your weakness and stuff like that. And he used nasty words and stuff. I believe um, the C word was used, for instance, and he would if if Dana didn't like it, it was used against her, you know, kind of like, you know, don't be a C word. And listen, don't speak to me like that. Well, stop being like that. You know, he would turn it around and make you double think, wait, am I being the C word? You know, it was so mind, even listening back to it, I start falling into the trap. Like, I feel like, wait, who's telling the truth? You know, you start listening. You're like, wait, maybe she's embellishing it because he's actually manipulating me through her words. That's how good he was. And that's mm-hmm. what a typical narcissist does, unfortunately. And and we as women tend to be we try and be trusting. And when they're they love bomb you quite quickly. Right. I mean, I'm sure that's how it happened. I, I, I'm curious, how long did you actually stay with him? Everybody always asks that question and they're always surprised with the answer because I was only with him for three months. And this oh, all wow. happened. Yeah, it's such a fast pace, which I feel like is um, that's a trait of the narcissist. Like they come into your life and everything is very intense and it's at a, a pace that's often very uncomfortable. But that's how they kind of like wiggle their way into your life and your world and create this web where they try to get other people out of your life, your support system, you know, so that it's easy for them to kind of reprogram you and brainwash you. Um, and I think that that he was very um, he was very successful at that with me. And I was always a person that that said, oh, this would never happen to me. Like, I'm too strong and I'm too smart and this wouldn't happen to me. So it was very surprising because in that short amount of time, he was able to do so much psychological damage. But after I was like, who am I? You know, like I was almost like the shell of a person or, you know, who I used to be. And it, it took a lot of time to rebuild. Isn't it ironic that you were technically out of the house that he destroyed longer than you were with him? Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah, You were actually homeless longer than in the relationship. And that's what a destructive person could do. And that is quick three months, but it's also, I was reading last night about something came across my thing on narcissism and I read an article and it was saying a lot of times it starts with what's called love bombing, which is, a, yeah, lot that's what of, said. a lot of the gifts, a lot of the, mm-hmm. um, the salutations, the proper movements, the romance of it. And you just fall, you melt and you're like, this is the one for me. This is the guy I've been looking right. for. My soulmate. He, he molds right into what he knows what you want yep. because you tell him, but you don't even know you're telling him. And then he registers it. It's so calculated and crazy. Right. Well, the thing about Facebook and social media is that it's made 
this arena for predators to watch, you know, and to target their victims. And I think that I was like the perfect target because all of my posts are public. I was very vulnerable, very transparent about things, but, you know, um, and he was able to study me. He was able to see, you know, what my interests were, what my vulnerabilities were. And the thing about narcissists is that they really don't have an identity, that they're chameleons. And so I thought that we had this bond, but it was really a superficial bond that he manufactured off of the things that I was like mirroring me back to me. So like, oh, I'm a writer. He wants to be a writer. He's interested in writing. You know, I like to do this. He likes to do it. And I was like, oh my gosh, we have so many things in common, but they really weren't, they, we weren't, you know, compatible. Mel, it was just Mel, something this that guy, he created. This guy had so many creep factors, but the one that, one of them that creeped me out the most, I believe I got this right. I heard it so many times. I can't tell where in the story, but I think it's their first date that yeah. one of it, one of his first lines was, can I kiss you? He had just met her for the first time. Oh, no. He said he wanted to get the kiss the, the, at the end of the first day out of the way, because then it would, you know, uh, get rid of the awkwardness. At the beginning yeah. of the date, though, he said that. We had just met. Yeah. But, yeah I was so creeped out by this. But uh, from a guy's point of view, this is where we fall into it. Like, say, I'm not a narcissist right now, but I could become one. You know, it's easy. This is where we fall into this trap. I look at this and I go, okay, I'm a decent guy who is nice to people and stuff at times. Of course, you two girls know my assholeness, but uh, I'm, I'm not narcissistic, but yet I'm single. But yet here's a narcissist who's getting all these girls. He's having all this fun. Why wouldn't I just be more of an asshole? Why don't I just become the total asshole? And it's it, not about being an asshole, Fred. A narcissist it, are not assholes at all, actually. And Dana can definitely. Uh, well, agree. he is now. He is now the asshole. Yes. But the point <laughs> is, is that they're not. They're everything. They're almost everything you hoped and dreamed. They're this magnificent person who who wants to be all about you and this love bombing that they do. And almost like you said, Dana, mirroring yourself that's what they do they're 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 you couldn't just become a narcissist fred because oh. it's not in you you're born this way it's a it's a personality disorder you can't just be I'm, like hey, i'm gonna I'm become, become one a narcissist today. i'm gonna become one just to prove you wrong okay. that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna manipulate both of you that's what i'm gonna do I'm gonna play. Okay. it's really that's i feel like it's a very sad disorder because they just, they want to get their needs met so badly. And there's a void in them that will never be filled with drugs or sex or women or money. Like, so they're always going to be these empty vessels, you know, walking around. And a lot of people equate them to like emotional vampires. You know, they just, everybody in their life is there for a particular purpose. You know, whether it's like, it makes them feel better because they're popular. They have status around them. They get invited places or sexually everybody fills their purpose and they never have meaningful relationships so it just gets worse as they get older it's actually called supply they get a new mm -hmm. supply so those right. are the women who you spoke to they were his supply until he found right. you and and a lot of times they're still dating they they exactly. will ghost you and then they reel you back in again they call it hovering they call it right. um, 
Gee, this 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 sounds familiar. I know that all too well. Yes, <laughs> right. I was going to say I know that all too this well. This sounds awful I familiar. I didn't know that um, hovering um, is like from the vacuum. It's the the name is from the vacuum because of the Hoover vacuum to like suck you in. They suck yeah. you back in. I just found that out recently. But yeah, totally. Like they they can't be alone. They're like I mean, and even as they age and we evolve and mature they stay, they remain stagnant emotionally. And uh, they just are like infantile and in that they need to get these these needs met. So if somebody's not meeting their needs, they're definitely working in the background to to get the supply that they need. So Dana, the, as the from the writer's point of view of this, what was left out of the story? You don't got to tell me, but what generally was left out of the story? Is there something you couldn't write? Besides I didn't his write name. anything about his kids because I, I don't think that his, I feel like his kids are victims too. So there's no need to say anything about them. And they didn't hurt um, you. They didn't harm you. No. And uh, I didn't say anything about his ex-wife because I think she's been victimized enough. You know, uh, she had to endure his abuse for the longest amount of time. Um, obviously not his name because I didn't want to have to deal with any kind of legal repercussions even though I don't think that I would because I I researched that and there are two ways that they can come after you. And it's if you, um, for lying, you know, uh, but all, everything I said was true and for invasion of privacy. But I'm not sure that I invaded his privacy by sharing my truth. So plus it's I just court document. Like, it's court documented. Exactly. It was all so. in the news and everything. But um, I think that's really it that I left out. So what else yeah. on the, so something I'm going through right now is how did you present this to your, I think for you, it was more just your mother. Um, mm -hmm. Cause these were, your mother had no idea this was going on. You didn't tell anybody, but your best friend, little inklings of this, but nothing major. Your mother had no oh, idea. Yeah. Correct. So now well, you got to tell this story. I yeah. I, I think I, this was another reason that I was kind of, vulnerable because at the time I wasn't really close with my family. Now we are, but you know, we kind of had a little bit of a conflict then. So um, I, I think I was needing so desperately to feel belonging to something, some kind of family unit because I was lacking in that area. So it made me uh, an easy target. Yeah. See, oh, well, so what else you want to talk about? Do you want to what one question I have for you all the time is you, sure. you you say you're not a fiction writer at all. So and we talked about this. Where's your next book come from? Where's it come from? Mm -hmm. I I disagree with that because you have a writing degree. You have a writing background. You have two books you've written. You you've you've told stories. They happen to be true stories. But what would prevent them from being false? The joy of making it false. I mean, you could give this guy a little penis all of a sudden. You know, that's the joy of it. <laughs> you know, that's the fun part. You could really have fun with Mr. Becker. But little Pecker. Let's talk about someone like a James, <laughs> like a right. Exactly. Like little like James Patterson. <laughs> James Patterson was a lawyer. You know, he was a true and what he do? He went into crime novels. Why wouldn't you go into maybe some kind of a narcissist book a, a book about a narcissist and create characters and stuff based off your true stories i guess i could i mean i haven't really thought about it i just really want to focus on presenting the information and you know getting it to as many people as possible 
you know, since I published, I partnered with the Domestic Violence Crisis Center and we do talks around, you know, Fairfield County. I want to try to spread to New Haven County and elsewhere. Um, and I just feel like that's where I want to focus right now. Are you getting so, better? You getting better as a speaker? Not that you were bad, but I, said uh, I wasn't <laughs> great as a speaker. Uh, uh, not that you're bad. I'm just saying, do you feel every time you're getting more comfortable or learning how to tell the story and stuff like that? I think I'm, I've always been comfortable because, you know, also before I was a writer, I was a teacher. So I'm used to getting up in front of people and, you know, um, addressing a room, you know, and it's a sensitive topic. And the, the DVCC, they, they said to me, you know, we're so happy that you're able to tell your story because it's very traumatic and it triggers some people. But for me, I just feel like it, it's so important to share that I kind of like just put everything aside and 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 do it because. I noticed that after the talks, people come up to me and they share their stories. And like I did a talk for about like 40 mothers of teenagers um, recently, and they were just like asking me all kinds of questions. And they were I just think that it, there's a need for it. Was it teenage boys or teenage girls or it didn't matter? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I feel like boys need to be talked to about this, too. You know, not just girls. Yeah, you know, well, because we know they could become a victim. Men become victims all the time. You just don't hear about it, just like in abuse and, yeah. and stuff like sexual abuse and stuff like that, physical abuse. There's plenty of men being beat up by women, and they're not going to come out and call it physical abuse because it's it makes you less of a man, you know, and right. I put that in exactly. quotes, air quotes. It doesn't make you less of a man. It probably makes you more of a man in a weird way that you're... um not taking the abuse, but that you're not reciprocating the abuse that you're not re reacting back and also attacking because that could be easy tactic to take. And I'm sure there's men in jail that don't belong in jail because the woman was really guilty of treating, mistreating them or manipulating them to do something they shouldn't have, you know, and she's just as guilty running free. So it does go both ways. It, unfortunately, it doesn't balance. There's no balance there. Women definitely are being abused more. They're being taken advantage of more. And that's because you guys buy into the romance a lot more of a situation than a man does. And that's just nature. That's just a yeah. buildup of a man. The sex part, for instance, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. For us, it's about sex. <laughs> you know, it's the sex, sex, sex. and. And I, that's a broad stroke. I'm not saying all men a hundred percent and that's everything we talk about is never, but specifically for the mo most part, men just need sex. Woman needs to be loved and nurtured and all that stuff and feel it. And man doesn't. I think even like, um, Teenagers, especially. So we're trying to transition the talks to focus on, you know, more for teens because, you know, there's a big correlation between domestic violence and um, sex trafficking. You know, and a lot of times that uh, girls will be preyed upon, like I mentioned earlier on social media. And it, it you think it's like going to be an old man or something like you see on a documentary. But a lot of the times it's people their age and they do what they call a, like a Romeo Romeo scheme or whatever they call it, where they try to act like the boyfriend. And then all of a sudden the girl is like in this relationship, but it's not a relationship. Wow. My phone again. 
I'm a, I'm like <laughs> a beginner. I'm like a beginner at this. this yeah, is- super unprofessional. And then they find themselves in this situation where, you know, they're um, in the sex trafficking. So I feel like now with everything, everyone's so interested in the Sound of Freedom movie and people talking about, you know, having these difficult conversations, you know, it's it's important to realize that these things are happening, you know, all around us and we're not removed. People always say, oh, it happens in different countries, third world countries, but no, it's happening in our community. People are numb to, to the, the fear side of things now because there's so many things thrown at us. And I always correlate it back to before Dana was born when Adam Walsh, you know, how different our life changed when Adam Walsh was kidnapped and, yeah. and found dead. All of a sudden, our parents cared, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden they cared where we were and stuff like that. Like this kid, like it wasn't happening before, but all of a sudden this kid disappears from the mall. Now your mom's holding your hand in the mall. She's not letting you wander away and all these things. And our whole lives all of a sudden really changed. I remember my mother all of a sudden was really paying attention to where I was going, when I was going to call me when you get there, all that stuff. And then now, talking to my daughter who's 22 23 what is she 22 almost 23 and talking to her i get dismissed a lot because she's heard it already because tiktok showed it to her instagram showed. there's nothing i'm saying to her that she hasn't seen a hundred times so she's already numb to it like the be careful when you go to the mall they tie a a thing around your handle um twenty dollar bill on your all these things. And she says, it's so overwhelming. You just have to live at this point. You can no longer just look for all these things. You'd spend more time going around your car, looking for the 20 signs that somebody's about to kidnap you before you'd be kidnapped anyway. You know, that's the point she was trying to make. Yeah. But you have to be aware. You can't just live like you're living in a bubble. Like you have to be aware of these things. That's why it's important that we have these discussions and inform the public that there are these Things that are, you know, that we, it's dangerous out there. And these people that are predators, you know, they will do that thing. I I didn't know what the $100 bill was where they put it on your windshield wipers. And then what do they do after? You get out of your car to get it and they grab you or what do they do? Yeah, basically that's what the theory theory is. That, of course, you would get out to get it off your windshield. Like a menu. It could be a menu, you know, stuff like that. And if you don't notice it getting in, you're going to stop your car or at a stoplight or even right there, probably right away as you're pulling out, you just would, oh, let me get this off the windshield. You stop and Mm. it opens. Now, she will admit, Riley does admit that it is scary when uh, all of a sudden a random van is parked next to your car. But it could be just a van. That's the problem. It could be just a van and you... All of a sudden you're accusing somebody of something and they're not even, you know, it could be coincidence. The guy's getting out of his car. He could have just parked, <laughs> you know, he could be a perfectly, it could yeah. be a pastor. It could be anybody, <laughs> but you gotta there be is so something aware. that, yeah. It makes you like on high alert with the white van. Like I take, um, I train at a Krav Maga studio and they're always talking about the white van when we're doing, you know, different activities. But that's the one thing that they say when they're, they're teaching us things like, if you if you're ever in a situation where you're going to be taken to a second location, you have to fight. Like there are situations where somebody has a gun to you, 
Uh, we have learned like takeaways, how to take the gun away from them, how to take a knife away from him, things like that. And you have to kind of gauge it if you're going to react, depending on the situation. If they're just like, give me your money, you don't necessarily have to engage. You can probably just give them the money and they'll leave. But if they say to you, Mel, we're taking you, you know, or, you know, get in the van, get in the car. If you get in that van, you're not coming home yeah. because it, that, that means it's already been planned out. You know, they they're definitely you're you're going to, you know, you're I not going to be safe. I think you should trust your your you should test your Krama guy or whatever you call it. <laughs> My therapist always says Krama Magan, and I don't have the heart to correct her. <laughs> all, I, all I think of is crab rangoon when I hear it. But <laughs> <laughs> that's all I think of. But I think um as friends, me and you should get into the ring and let's see what you got. You oh, know, can I videotape that, please? You Please, we'll he, have you sign a waiver first, but all, for sure. Yeah. She's going to kick your ass big time, Fred. Yeah, You're because she, all of a sudden she's on top of me, just beating me going, Eric, Eric, just punching <laughs> me. I I take the beating for this cork, for why, this guy. That's why you get the waiver. So. Yes. Oh, I'll be your I'll be your witness, okay, Dana. I'll I'll, I'll I ain't scared. I'll I ain't afraid of you, Dana. I'm not afraid of you. All right. I don't want you to be afraid of me. You don't put any fear in me. Okay. I do. Yeah, you're scared. <laughs> you're afraid of me. You got that resting bitch face. That's fine. You got yeah, that's it. Just freezes up there. Look at her with that 80s hairstyle. Hey. He's so Li- nice. Living in the 80s still. Okay, I, so I, so moving on from that. Something. Wait, I want to say something. I want to say how important it is for when everybody and I try and teach my kids this as well, even though they're boys, you got to be alert as to your surroundings always, no matter what. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. it is important. So, yeah, and I, I'm an ultra alert person, but I don't know where it came from. It's not like I've ever maybe from my child abuse type stuff, you know. But, oh, yeah, for that, sure. Your child abuse. Yeah, because you already you suffered a, a trauma and it it heightens you your senses to things in the world to negative things in the world. Like I, it's and almost I, like you have like a radar. I, for danger. I accredit it. I accredit a lot of my stuff to Zombieland, the movie Zombieland, where <laughs> I know where every exit is and every wherever I am, I know how to get out. And Zombieland was very much like that. So. Do you know how to um, like fend off the zombies too? Yeah, you go, you got to go for the brain um, and and the heart and all that stuff. Major organs, Dana, major organs. And then we're prepared. I got enough weaponry in my house. FBI alert, FBI alert. No, I know. Where do you live? I know. (laughs) You you know where I live. You know where I live. What's your address? I'm not giving my address. Nobody could get here. You, <laughs> nobody could find this place. Dana came the closest, though. You did come pretty close, right? You yeah. got, you made it across the street. But so you have, right now, you have no plans of writing anything new. Well, you got to say it like that. It sounds terrible. I mean, uh, I'm sure the inspiration will come to me. But now I'm just focusing on spreading awareness about domestic violence and also working with um, my clients to improve their writing and work on their stories. Do you agree that, let's say, just fictitiously, your next book is about an amazing guy who gave you an opportunity to do an audiobook? Okay, that would be me. You? <laughs> but hold on, I'm getting to the point, getting to the point. What's Nobody- the conflict? 
Nobody cares about that, right? Isn't that sad that we, but if you were, went through another issue with another man, people would read that before they would read about a good thing with a man. Yeah. I think if I went through another issue with another man, people would start wondering if it was me, you know, if I was the problem. Regardless of, regardless of the really bad luck. Yeah. But well, regardless of that, (laughs) there are, everybody has a responsibility in every situation somewhere. It's just you, regardless of what he did to you and stuff, it is easy to say yes. And you probably agree. There were enough red flags for you to walk away. You just didn't. And that's okay too. You're a human being who is just seeking something. It's not like he, you didn't weren't aware of step to step, at least, at least when it was the fifth thing. Yeah. It's easy in hindsight to say, yeah, she could have just walked away then and stuff. And you could, you've probably beat yourself up about it. Like, why didn't I leave then? the Florida trip. Why didn't I leave then the, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things. So we do all care. People do carry responsibility for who they date, who they choose to date their marriage and stuff. But the problem is they don't want to say that nobody wants to say I'm at fault too. And that's hard. It's hard to say it's hard to reveal your flaws. Well, I don't think I'm at fault. I mean, the man was a legit psychopath. So I mean, in this situation, in this situation, no, this, no, this right. guy for sure. And and I mean, people have said to me at talks like, oh, why would you stay? That's like the typical victim blaming mentality. And like you said, hindsight is I mean, when you look back on it, it's very easy for you to sit there and say, oh, well, this is an opportunity that you could have left. But when you're actually in it, it's different. And there are I always bring it to movie terms, but there is a movie where a a father has an affair with his daughter's friend and the mother doesn't chooses not to leave. And when the daughter confronts the mother about it, the mother says something that's interesting. She said, I stayed for all the good things he's done in his life instead of leaving for the one bad thing he did. And there is value mm-hmm. in that. There is value in that. Cause we are all humans. We all have mm-hmm. ma- making made mistakes, but that's another reason you get, they, they manipulate you further, these guys, because sure, he he wasn't your perfect match. It's not 100 percent perfect. There was things that drove you crazy about him. But you saw enough good, even if it's 60, 40, you saw enough of a promise. Whether it was a lie or not is one thing, but you believed in the promise that you stayed or you forgave that one mistake he made because, listen, he did 20 great things the one bad thing let's dismiss that and now start again fred Fred, you gotta understand something when you are in love with somebody whether it's the first minute she met him or not she's in love with him she believes he's a certain kind of person your heart wants what your heart wants it doesn't necessarily mean that you know your head will say i shouldn't be with this guy he's an idiot or i shouldn't be with him look at what he's done to me again And your friends will say, hey, you shouldn't be with him. Don't date him. He's horrible. What are you thinking? But it doesn't matter because it's how you feel. It might not be the right thing. And everybody else may be judging, saying, what are you doing? Hey, dumbass. But but at the end of the day, it's your heart and it's how you feel, whether it's right, wrong or whatever. If if she was in love with him and she chose to be there 
right or wrong, she didn't deserve what happened to her because she fell in love with somebody who made her feel loved. Yeah, it's probably why I don't understand it, because I don't have a heart. Um, well, that's I, true. I don't I'm know. Compo- how to- completely heartless. You know, I'm a cold. You always use humor to deflect on sensitive topics. Yes. Isn't that is it? A, but is that a is that a gift or a I do the same thing. Yeah, that's why I recognize it in you. It, it works, but it's also just, yeah, it's everything. Even at funerals, I can joke around at a funeral. It's just weird. I'm a fucking well, it's weirdo. A, it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. It's easier to laugh than to cry. Right. You for know, sure. If, yeah. But so Dana, thank you for coming on dude in the thank house. Thank you for having me. Dana, I hope that that you are able to find love and happiness and and that Thank you. you're a wonderful person. And I'm really privileged I got to meet you. And I hope we Thank all you. sometime. Nice okay. And no, let's not, for a while. Let's not, <laughs> yeah. let's not we'll blow, just hang out. We'll leave Fred home. Let's not blow <laughs> smoke up the girl's asshole. You know, hey. we don't need hey. to we don't need to um give the she's a guest, so we could patter her a little with some compliments but she's also he doesn't like to compliment people no you know, i know i'm, I'm I very know. you're great you're you're great you're amazing Jeez. and and <laughs> and that's it where can people find you dana buckmare.com the best place to go and yeah amazon also my books on amazon both the audiobook on audible hardcover paperback amazon have you listened to the audiobook straight through at all yeah with you yeah but i mean over and over bought, and over again the bought version did you buy it and listen to it no oh me neither <laughs> but me everybody neither. else will uh, go out now and buy it you hear that that's the hard part when you're the producer of it and you've heard it so many times i'm like yeah go right. ahead buy the book go ahead buy your <laughs> buy that book yeah it's great it's amazing but it really is it's a good story it's Well, I don't know if that's the proper terminology, but it's a listen, it's a readable book. It's going to educate you. It's going to teach you about vulnerabilities. It's going to and as a writer, maybe it helps people who are writers and want to write their memoir. You can see what she speaks about in her story versus what she tells you here and stuff and what she left out and stuff. But we'll go we'll go through it. Well, when she's not on the air, Mel will analyze it to death. And we'll okay. we'll talk about her. Um, what can we talk about on Dana? I'll be nice. I know he won't, but I will. What's a weakness on okay. Dana? What's a weakness? Nothing. He's friends with you, <laughs> right? Oh, perfect. She is a professional. Very accurate. Professional food eater. Okay, she, she's professional at this. We when all I, gotta eat. When I go to dinner with her, the first time I went to dinner with her, she, she took me to a local place here in my town. And I thought the appetizers was the meal because she ordered every appetizer off the menu. I order a lot. There was literally six appetizers ordered. And I'm thinking (laughs) for two people. And I'm thinking, okay, well, and then she goes, okay, let's move on to entrees. And next thing you know, we're on the entrees and we're talking to a bartender about his stupid life. The guy was a moron, wasn't he? Everybody loves him. You even like them. I didn't like them. I'm just a. You I know, said you liked them. I know how to. I lied to you. I was manipulating you. Oh, wonderful. I was test, we I was have another one. <laughs> I was There's testing another one. You. I learned from oh your boy. book. 
my goodness. It's a learner's book. You know, I learned. Well, you know what's interesting? You ever hear about that um, self-proclaimed narcissist? I think his last name is Tudor, T-U-D-U-R. And uh, he does all these talks um, as a narcissist, like to help people. It's really interesting. Yeah, I think that, it's H H D Tudor. Okay, I'll check him out. Yeah. So everybody, yeah. go flood his page, and we'll learn about narcissism more. But yeah. it's an interesting I mean, subject, and we'll bring you. Yeah, I think um we're gonna be talking to our friend Nicole Beverly. Oh, I love her. We're gonna bring Nicole on, and we'll I talk th- to her before the movie comes out. Yeah, we'll talk to her before her movie comes out. But I can't talk yeah. to her now because of the strike. With the strike oh. and stuff, it's hard. So we'll talk to her. I might be able to talk to her since she's the subject of the movie, not in the movie. Yeah. She's Did you read her strike. book? I read some of it. I, you know, I read the whole book. Yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. Huh? Brutal. Yeah. Guys, yeah, she went through a lot. Dangerous. That's, man. A, that's the thing. It's like, there's always somebody that suffered more than you. You really should count your blessings because reading her book, I was like, oh my God. But at for the same time, it doesn't. tortured. But it doesn't make it any less for you. That's what I try to tell people. Even the book I'm writing, everybody lives the life I've lived. I'm just telling it and writing it. Not everybody writes a book. You know, there's far worse out there that are worse off um, from addiction to trauma and stuff Been abused more, abused worse, abused multiple times. They just didn't write their story. So it's hard. You, you don't putting, I'm not putting myself next to you, next to her and stuff. Your abuse was your abuse and you told the story. Her abuse is hers. It's not a, it's not a sporting event. We're not here to get an Olympic medal for who was abused more. No, it's not, you're not getting a gold star because of it, but it's all important. It all matters. It could be any, it could be so small to me and her, but if it affected you, we're not you. Mm. It's, People like to say, well, why'd she, I've been through that too. Well, maybe you're a different person than her. See, if it hurt you, it's worthy of a story Mm -hmm. and it should be, it's just not accepted in the public. You know, God forbid the public didn't put something in. Did you ever get a nasty, nasty review? Like a one star? Yeah. It said uh, one star, very disturbing. And I was like, no shit. It's disturbing. The content is disturbing. But that doesn't mean that it, it deserves a one star. The writing was great. I yeah, mean, we talked about this. I, I hate. Yeah. And, and then I tried to look her up and I couldn't find anything on her. You were like, oh, you should contact her. I'm like, and just it. to prove, just to prove what kind of guy I am. How many stars did I give you? Four. And what's the maximum? Five. What's the maximum? Five. Five. Uh, and what was my excuse for never giving you a five? Because you're a dick. <laughs> no, I will not give a five star review ever, ever. Because you're trying to do, he's trying to like motivate us to do better because yes. five stars is perfection and nothing's perfect and you can always improve. It's like daddy, yeah. daddy Carol is always giving you a little. Well, if I'm giving it, a five star, would be <laughs> saying, This is the best book I've ever read in my life. That's what it's saying. Now it's stupid. It's completely stupid because nobody bought. Or didn't buy Dana's book based off my review. But they reviews, did. I had people reach out to me and tell me if what a Brad dick. had given you a five star, I would have purchased it. Yeah, what a However, dick. However, the four star made me think, ah, I don't know. Yeah, Fred doesn't believe in it. But uh, yeah. 
it is important just so people know out there for us authors to get not only to get reviews and a quick explanation of that would be is the number 25 or 50 to 50. Okay. 50 reviews, which isn't a lot when you have Facebook, Instagram and stuff. If people just took the time to go to Amazon, what that does for us, the author, the minute we hit 50, it makes us eligible to be included under the, that caption where it says people also bought when they go to a Stephen King book or to another, maybe Nicole's book. When they go to Nicole's book, Dana's book might be underneath it. And that increases our sales. Now, this isn't all about making money. And I think Dana could probably attest to the fact that just because you write a book doesn't mean you're rich all of a sudden. There's not a lot of, there's money to be made, but you have to market yourself and push. And part of the marketing is allowing our friends and our readers to help us market. So even just sharing it, if you're not going to buy the book, at least share it, tell a friend, tell somebody or buy a copy and give it away. Give it to a woman's group. Give it to somebody you think is in trouble and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's the best advice I can give, but that's going to be all the advice I give because the show is over and we've done enough here. So I'm going to say goodbye to Dana, but I think Dana, I will one day I'm going to maybe in a third, I'll get Nicole on her own, but maybe one of these days, what's a month, you know, how they have, abuse month or whatever what is october so that would be october that's coming up maybe i'll have you both on and see what we could come up with you know something we can come up with where we could either maybe we'll do a live event even where we could help and make it where we're raising money we're not going to raise a ton or anything but something where we can nice idea where we could throw a hundred bucks somewhere yeah. or help a yeah. woman one we could pick one specific woman or something and see what we could do and see if we can get Nicole involved and help somebody that's needs our help. Cause we're all fine right now, except Mel. Mel's a little off, but she's, no, I'm always everything off. will be okay. She was mad. <laughs> right. Oh, way to market. Good market. See, I'm teaching you. You're good. Good marketing. But uh, one thing is um, Mel was upset. Would you just, I just want to tell you this because you went, you switched. Well, you switched from one o'clock to two o'clock and she took her meds oh, to her. She took her medicine too early. <laughs> that, oh. that, that keeps her calm and stuff. You can oh. see it already. She's about to snap. She's about to come out of it. Oh, that's boy. why that's why I have to end the show because this girl goes that's fucking that. she goes fucking crazy, Dana. She wow. all oh, of a sudden, yeah, it's like a light switch. It's scary as hell. She's a scary girl. You could tell oh. by looking at her. She, she was Yeah. She's only like five Terrifying. feet, like five feet tall. She's She's like, height. Five one, thank you. I'm five one. Five one. You see, you couldn't. You date. guys are like the same height. You couldn't date yeah. Dana either. I'm not five one. <laughs> I'm five foot, five foot seven. Yeah. Okay. Five foot seven. Okay. So this is a dude in the hen house. I'm Fred, the dude. That's Dana Buckmare. You can find her book wherever you shop for books i'll show you the cover real quick there's the cover everything will be okay nice everything don't forget my new book when your ego throws a pity party go alone one man's view of life love and loss the cover will be changing i tell you that again again and the forward is written by me you're right oh we didn't even talk about that that you wrote the forward to my book which is a very sweet i think a very sweet offer and a sweet reward by me so 
I think it helps us both greatly. And it has similarities, except male, female, not Incredibles. Like, it's not the same story, but it's all about men being able to be okay. Okay. So, and and this is the vagina. Just, just always round it back. And oh my God. Remember, men, if they're not telling you where the clitoris is, it, that's on them. That is on them. I don't know where the hell it is either. I don't know, Dana. I don't okay, know. Okay, cool, cool. So that's it, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> Say goodbye. <laughs> Say Miss, Miss Buck, Miss Buckmare. Buckmer. Let me get it. Dana. Mirror. Bye.